Good morning, guys. Welcome back to Blockhash, exploring the blockchain. Uh, happy Thursday. Today, it's episode 305, and I have the managing partner at Oak Security, Stefan Bayer, on today to talk about uh, security in the blockchain space, securing blockchains, uh, blockchain protocols, and what they kind of do to help make them more secure. So we're going to have a great conversation around security today. Uh, Stefan, welcome to the podcast. Uh, happy to have you here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, absolute pleasure. So before we get started and we get rolling talking about Oak Security, uh, let's start off talking a bit about uh, you. I'm sure the audience is going to be very curious to who you are and some of the work you've done prior in the past. Um, so tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a computer scientist by training. Uh, I did a PhD in operating systems back in 2004. And at the time, operating systems research was sort of, well, probably called it the dead end. It, um, everything or, or a lot of things were done and people from operating systems research moved into distributed systems. So that, that was obviously before Bitcoin even existed and distributed systems were a similar thing, but, but slightly different, obviously. And uh, I started a, a postdoc uh, at a research institute, and we looked at uh, replicated databases, which which essentially is something like a, a blockchain, or, or it, it's it tries to solve uh, the problem a blockchain solves, uh, namely synchronizing a, a database across a distributed system. So, so a lot of things we looked at before Bitcoin even existed were are still relevant today. Uh, and then obviously at some point um, blockchain came along, but by that time I was already interested in cybersecurity and had started a post at a company uh, in industry, moved from academia to industry uh, to work as the head of research um, in a cybersecurity company. And there I realized that, you know, apart from my interest in blockchain distributed systems, that there was quite a big security requirement in uh, the blockchain space. So, so I founded a company, uh, did some freelance work as well, which eventually led to the current incarnation of, of the company, which is Oak Security. Awesome. What was it the security aspect of blockchain and what it brings to the table that made you excited or the possibilities to implement more of what you do into the blockchain space? Was there like a single uh, moment uh, per se where you saw blockchain for the first time in distributed systems and were like, yes, this is an industry I want to be in? Yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, uh, um, it was sort of opportunistic in that I thought, you know, I mm -hmm. know a lot about distributed systems and I know a lot about cybersecurity. Let, let's combine the two. But but obviously, I, I, when blockchain became a thing at first, along with other distributed systems research, I sort of dismissed the idea of replicating everything on every node and trying to keep it 100% consistent because that doesn't scale well and, and we saw that in Bitcoin at, at first it didn't scale well so, so I sort of rejected the idea and it took me a while to come around to it but then with Ethereum and smart contracts I, I got very interested in distributed applications or, or decentralized applications on, on top of the blockchain and I realized relatively early on that there was a big security issue with these applications and a lot of smart contracts uh, were running into problems early on. 
And um, that's where I got interested in, in combining cybersecurity mm -hmm. with uh, my knowledge of, of distributed systems and, and started auditing smart contracts, first for fun, then as a business and, and you know, eventually as my own business. Yeah, let's talk about it as a business aspect. You guys started Oak Security. Um, is it just you or do you have uh, other partners as well that are involved to help you out? Yeah, so Oak Security has uh, two founding partners, myself and my business partner, Philip. We, we had met before in different crypto projects where we, we worked together on sort of freelance positions and, and finally decided to, to run a company together. We are based in Germany. Uh, there's two of us that own the company, but we are we now have 40 uh, security auditors working all around the world. We have a decentralized setup, geographically speaking, in that everyone is in a different place. Why Germany? Are you from Germany? Yeah, I'm from Germany originally. Okay. I, I now live in Spain uh, and have done have lived in Spain for the last 20 years, but. Uh, but my business partner still lives in, in Germany and it, it seemed like a, a good place to, to register business. Absolutely. What's the environment been like around blockchain in Germany, having a blockchain-based company, security-based company for blockchain? Um, has it been problematic in any kind of way? Has it been very opportunistic? Um, being in Europe, we, we are sort of part of this European Union push uh, for blockchain adoption. And uh, compared to other jurisdictions, the European Union, I think, has been fairly accommodating. <laughs> Regulatory efforts have been fairly light and, and always, you know, there are sandboxes in different European countries and, and it, it's been relatively easy. Um, to be honest, we, we are a fairly traditional company in the sense we provide a service. So, so you know, we're not doing anything uh, strange that the authorities don't understand. So that makes it easier for us. We, you know, we, we don't, uh, we haven't deployed our own blockchain or, or we're not doing any staking and, and things like this that you have to explain to the authorities. The, the, the biggest issues at first were, you know, when you suddenly paid in crypto by someone, but, but that's a counting problem and, and it's, it's solvable. So, so, you know, we're not like the traditional or the typical blockchain business that invents something completely new that, that, that is difficult for, for people to understand. So, so from that standpoint, we, you know, we could have operated in Germany or any other country. Yeah, you're kind of in a favorable uh, part of this industry. Like they want audits, they want security, they, they want these things happening on blockchain. So... Um, I imagine that's actually quite high in demand, especially, you know, given what's happened in 2022. We'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, I want to get an idea of what it's like kind of a day in the life with Oak Security. Like what kind of things do you work on? Uh, what's a primary focus for you guys? Um, give me a little bit of an insider look. Yeah, I mean, Oak Security... Um, as, as Oak Security, the brand Oak Security focuses mm -hmm. on what you would probably call third generation blockchains, you know, everything that came after Ethereum, things like Solana, Cosmos, we're very big in the Cosmos ecosystem, Polkadot, the, these sort of um, newer, more agile blockchains. Uh, we also have a, a, a brand uh, called Solidified, uh, which was used to be an American company, which we acquired, um, that focuses on Ethereum smart contracts. And... Uh, that's a bit more classic in the sense that that you know, cl 
as classic as it can be in this relatively new field in in that we 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 audit smart contracts as solidified since 2017 and it's um, it's quite an established process now obviously when we operate under the oak security brand we are looking at much more experimental systems and the process has to be adapted much more frequently to to do the reality uh, so, so we do see a lot of new ideas and a lot of new projects. Um, for example, people building uh, strange or, or, or unseen things on top of Cosmos SDK uh, as a Cosmos blockchain and, and things like this. So our main um, operations are auditing of either layer ones uh, implemented in something like uh, Cosmos SDK or Substrate. Uh, or smart contracts built on on top of that, or even uh, user level applications uh, such as wallets, uh, but but obviously always within a crypto and a blockchain context. Yeah, of these third gen blockchains, uh, is there one that maybe you spend the most time uh, working with, or ecosystem that you spend the most time working in, uh, whether it be like Polkadot, Cosmos, uh, Cardano, Al. Algorand. I mean, there's you know billions of them out there now. Um, what, what's um, you know frequently something that comes up for you guys that you work in? Yeah, we 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 are uh, most busy in the Cosmos ecosystem, and um, I think that's just based on a series of of, mm -hmm. of of coincidences. We 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 worked with relatively strong teams fairly early on, and as they grew, we 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 grew with them and and did good work and got recommended so we're quite well known in the cosmos ecosystem and that's probably where the majority of our work comes from particularly in cosmos uh, smart contracts which which are implemented usually in rust and run on top of, of cosmos chains uh, we audited uh, cosmos itself and we audited a number of of important early projects in that space so we we we, we are quite well known in cosmos we do uh, quite a bit of work in uh, the Polkadot ecosystem as well, but uh, there we are. We don't have the same profile as in Cosmos uh, yet. Got it. Yeah, the Cosmos ecosystem is very interesting. I spent quite a bit more time in it in the past year. Um, and love the community aspect and, and the development, and I feel like it's one of those ecosystems that's very underrated still. Um, and that'll be growing tremendously over the next couple of years. Polkadot's cool too. You don't hear a lot being done on Polkadot these days as well. Um, what, what system or what ecosystem, what protocol do you maybe find that maybe has the most security or that might stand out security wise from some of the others based on your own experience working in them? Like, is there one, um, protocol or ecosystem that you think is maybe a little bit ahead of everybody else at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to compare. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. things like uh, Polkadot and Cosmos have a, a, a very strong security model as a platform. Um, but given that they, they have things like the Cosmos SDK and Substrate, people can implement the wrong type of blockchain fairly easily mm -hmm. um in, in terms of proven record uh, it, it's difficult because there have been a lot of hacks in all ecosystems but but uh, from a sort of a protocol level that they are fairly safe uh, fairly secure um ethereum 
sort of stands out because of the long history. But then again, Ethereum has this solidity language on top, which in the past have led to a lot of uh, accidental, uh, shoot yourself in the foot type scenarios in smart contracts. Mm -hmm. And there have also been a lot of hacks uh, due to the, the logic of, of DeFi applications and, and things changing quickly, things like flash loans that nobody really thought about before they occurred. Um, so, so it's difficult to declare an ecosystem secure, right. but um, obviously when you talk about third generation blockchains, they're newer and they're fairly experimental in some sense. And, you know, things like Solana have had a lot of protocol level issues where the whole blockchain halted and, and, and that's not good. The, the advantage of things like that have been around a bit longer, like Ethereum is that they're there are um, implementations in different languages and if there is a bug not everything stops uh, whereas something new like Solana where there's a single implementation of something fairly new that there's a larger likelihood something going well at the protocol level uh, but then again uh, an ecosystem is only secure as the the things they build on top of, of it and uh, most of the exploits we see in DeFi protocols or other blockchain applications are the result of uh, errors in the logic uh, or key exposure and, and, and things like this. You know, people just making mistakes and that, you know, that's not, that's independent of the ecosystem. What would you say makes up like an actual third gen blockchain? Is it just everything uh, from Ethereum forward after Ethereum, or is it more specific than that? Because I've seen so many different protocols and projects come out. Um, one will say that they're third gen because they're quantum resistant. Another will say that they're third gen because they're better at interoperability and scalability. Um, another will say they're third generation because they have this new token standard that they've implemented, or they can use NFTs in some creative way. Um, so kind of curious from your perspective as well as a security expert, you know, and I'm really working with third gen blockchains. What do you think compromises that category? What makes a third gen blockchain? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously a matter of definition. My, my definition is always, you know, first generation Bitcoin and Bitcoin clones, a single application scenario, you focus on cryptocurrencies. Now, obviously, people have tried to improvise around that and build other things on top of Bitcoin, but but the main idea was uh, to have a, a decentralized currency. Um, and then the second generation was taking this concept general purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So so the, the, the observation was you have transactions, uh, and if they change numbers on accounts, as an abstraction, you know, it's not really like that at the low level, but, but, but numbers change. Uh, if we generalize this and think of these as variables and the transactions as operations, we you know uh, we can make this Turing complete or general purpose and implement anything, uh, decentralized applications, and have programmable blockchains. Basically, the the idea of Ethereum's smart contracts. So so that that that's the second generation. And then the, the third generation is the observation that decentralized applications actually don't work that well for a number of reasons, uh, mainly interoperability and, and scalability. Uh, you, know, you, you can't just do that many things within a transaction or on a blockchain. And so the third generation of blockchains for me looks at ways to, to solve this um, 
what Vitalik called the blockchain trilemma, right? This triangle between security, uh, scalability, and um, uh, what was it? Um, uh, interoperability. interoperability. Yeah, yeah. And the trilemma, is, uh, that's actually a, a different thing, but, but, but it all goes back to uh, trade-offs, right? The, the engineering trade-offs and that you, you are, uh, oh, sorry, it's decentralization was the third, third axis on this, on the triangle. Mm -hmm. So, so you, if you want to make a blockchain operate faster or scale better, you, you either need to relax security or uh, implement it in a more centralized way and essentially that 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 is solved in a lot of third generation blockchains with some form of uh, delegated proof of stake right so so that a little bit of less decentralization in the sense that you now have a smaller set of validators and but you 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 operate faster without compromising security uh, that, that for me is a third generation. Whether or not you implement NFTs in a creative way and things like that—that's application-specific details. So mm -hmm. that that doesn't make a difference for me. Got it. No, it's good to have like a, an understanding. I think of what is a third generation blockchain. So I think the term has been thrown around quite a lot over the last four or five years. Um, and there's so many different blockchains out there now, and they all specialize in different things and, and have unique capabilities. Um, so it, it's good, I think, to have clarity on some of these um, labels that we put on them. Um, and, it, and it helps with security, too, and for user understanding when you're building on these chains. Um, here's a two-winded question for you. What, First of all, why do you think that security is, in particular, going to be important in 2023, um, you know, given everything that's happened in 2022? Um, from Celsius to Voyager to BlockFi to FTX to God knows what at this point. Um, and then at the same time, uh, geez, I just forgot the other question. Damn, that's the worst. Uh, let's start with the first one. Why do you think security will be important in 2023 for blockchain? Well, I mean, security has always been important for blockchain Um and, and admittedly, um, the whole community has not done too well in, in security, mm -hmm. especially the, the last couple of years, really. The DeFi summer was also a bit tricky. And then now we've had uh, some very big bridges fail and FTX fail and, and things like this. Uh, not necessarily only due to security, right? But um, uh, obviously, uh, going forward, there, there's a lot of regulatory pressure on you know people are, are people have lost money and, and the same people that were shouting for uh, sort of liberal ecosystems uh, now want more regulation because they they have been affected uh, which is understandable in a way um but but you know uh, regulators are looking carefully at what's going on uh, and some of these uh, things like ftx have been very uh, high profile and, and very well reported outside our sort of ecosystem or small crypto scene. And, and obviously, if we want big investors to keep putting money into blockchain uh, and even small investors, any investors, that they need to be able to trust that, that things like this don't happen. And at the same time, regulators... Uh, might go one way or another if, if they feel there's inherent insecurity. Got it. And just remember the other question. Um, 
you know, given the fact that this industry has evolved so much, um, you know, we have NFTs and NFTs in all kinds of different ways these days and how they function. We have DeFi with lending and borrowing, uh, staking and yield farming and um, a vast array of different stable coins. And it's just constantly evolving every single day. It's hard to keep up with. Are there any new or potential attack vectors or security concerns that maybe have evolved over uh, the recent period of time in crypto and blockchain that maybe you think is something people should start paying attention to that could be a, an issue at some point um, or that uh, protocols and projects need to keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, there are new attack vectors every day. And, and the one thing that concerns us is the growing complexity uh, you know if back in 2018 you you audited uh, a set of smart contracts you you looked at uh, relatively contained systems uh, system it, it there there was a, a certain number of things that could go wrong and a certain amount of entry point and exit points and 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 that was it uh, and then pro protocol started to 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 be put together like Lego bricks and you have protocol composability, which added a, a whole new layer of complexity. And we, we, we see things like, uh, you know, protocols being exploited in, in several steps, combining different protocols and lending money there, getting a flash loan there, moving it there, having a bit of arbitrage over there, and then using that to, to, to exploit over there. Very complex uh, vulnerability scenarios that, that are, you know, it's almost impossible to come up with it's just uh, just by reasoning about about the whole uh, system. And uh, then what's been added to this more recently are things like um, bridges and interoperability. You know, you get um, you get a lot of bridge attacks recently, and 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 that's because of the very specific reasons bridges are very complex uh, they are usually written in a number of uh, technologies you have one type of system on one side you have another one on the other side and then you have some sort of consensus layer if it's decentralized bridge in between that possibly using a third technology and there's so many moving parts that a lot can go wrong um, there's also inherent insecurity of having non-native um, non-native assets bridged to a different blockchain um, which is not easy to solve right if i have uh, this was also pointed out in an interesting blog post by by vitalik butrin if you have uh, ethereum or eth on a on on solana it's not bound over there by the ethereum protocol rules anymore so there's an inherent level of insecurity that you you, you can't really deal with easily so so the whole space has just become very complex. Um, and of, on, on top of that, uh, we see the, uh, the speed, it, it moves, right? So, so we, we, I always say the traditional finance system is slow, but it's also slow for a reason, right? The people have learned how to develop secure financial applications over 50 years and they take their time and, and we are just rushing out code at an insane speed sometimes um, and that makes it very difficult so so it's a you know it's it's a combination of the blockchain being a very attractive target uh, 
it becoming more and more complex and um, and people moving faster and faster. So that, that, that that's a very difficult problem to solve. Yeah, you mentioned bridges. I had a bad experience with one a year ago uh, using the Polygon bridge when it was you know, kind of brand new and came out. I was trying to move. Um, I, I forgot what it was, but it was one token uh, on, on Ethereum, moving it you know, onto Polygon or, or I was doing something and, and I messed it up and they got into my MetaMask and um, I went to like the wrong site. It was it was a so silly of a scenario, but I feel like human error is another huge part of this, too, because when you have all these moving parts and all these different layers and you have uh, different things written in different technologies, kind of like you're talking about, it's very difficult for an average person who's just trying to do something simple, like like bridge their their crypto from one chain to another to understand that and to not make a mistake. Um do you think that that's like one of the maybe biggest issues is just maybe the lack of knowledge on some of these things and the human error that kind of goes into it? Um, it's kind of hard to avoid in the space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is sort of the, the Spider-Man problem, right? So with great power comes great responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. the, I mean, if if you're in the traditional finance system and you you mess up, your bank has your back, right? So, so we are talking about removing third parties, and that's a good thing in, in many cases, but it also means we have to take responsibility for certain things like not, not losing our keys, right? Mm -hmm. um, if, if I lose my password to my online banking or I lose my credit card, I just you know, can go with my passport to the bank and someone will help me. If if I delete my... my, my um, my seed phrase and I don't have a backup or, or I lose my private keys for my account as a, as a crypto user, there, there's no one there to help me. So, so I have to know what I'm doing. And, and a lot of people are not willing to, to spend the time learning what they have to do. And also a lot of projects don't necessarily push the message to their users enough that there is some personal responsibility. And there's a big trade-off between usability and security. Uh, you've mentioned MetaMask there, right? Uh, how easy it is to get is it to get a, a key logger that, that, that installed or, or get tricked to the wrong site, uh, right? Connected to the wrong website, and, and then just um, being asked to sign a, a, a transaction that is not the one I want to sign. I mean, who who can read these transactions at the at the mm -hmm. byte level as a, as a user and 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 that, that's a big trade-off. You know, it, it's inconvenient to have a, a hardware wallet and do everything as you're told to do, have a handwritten backup in some safe uh, fireproof <laughs> of your seed phrase. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, know, you know, it's not, it's not convenient uh, and it, it, it makes it difficult to use. Yeah, it, the user interface in this space needs to improve too. Like, for example, if I want to connect my Google Gmail account to something, maybe for a workflow, maybe to send out automated emails or do email marketing as an example. It'll tell me very specifically what it's connecting to, why it's connecting to it, um, what it gets access to, what it's going to use that access for. And I, I can see that very clearly in like five little sentences, and then I can click to confirm if I want to or deny it. Um, and while you get the option with MetaMask, it just kind of pulls up a string of code. And it, it's like, uh, do you approve this code and this connection? And I'm like, I don't know what uh, dot error slash um, string of numbers 
parentheses this means. <laughs> and I think for a user, that's, that's not good either. Uh, because yeah. when you think you're doing the right thing and attack, you know, connecting to the right website, it's very easy to connect to the wrong one, very easy to punch in the wrong numbers or have it redirect you or, and, and I saw that happen to a lot of people in the past year. And I think it's something people got to be very mindful of, or, you know, you know, disastrous things could happen when you control your own keys. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy. I mean, it, I've been redirected to the wrong website and, and sometimes they're indistinguishable. You, you have to be extremely careful, uh, you know, and, uh, it doesn't help that if you type uh, the name of your favorite DeFi protocol into Google and the first hit is, is usually some sort of imitation site that is placed as an advertisement really high. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it, it, the, the, the whole user experience is not uh, very conductive to security right now. Uh, but at the same time, uh, users have to realize that there is a personal responsibility involved in this so education is also important in that sense absolutely it's why we do the podcast to help educate people and put that information out there and rehash it so that hopefully they don't end up making those mistakes again in the future um before we wrap up i know you guys are also very closely tied to solidified who we've had on the podcast in the past as well um what are some of the synergies and processes that um work between oak security and solidified yeah, I mean, Solidified was founded uh, as one of the earliest smart contract auditing firms back in 2017. And I, I worked with Solidified since 2018, auditing for them. Then I became the lead auditor there. Um, and then I, I founded Oak Security with my business partner. Uh, so, And when we did that, we, we built our process uh, modeling what Solidified did because we, we felt that was a very... A good process and it was slightly different to 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 what other companies did and um, and it, it was very helpful for for providing the the best uh, or what we believe to be the best security uh, possible in in this space um then for one reason or another solidified um got acquired by us, uh, mainly due to personal reasons of the original team uh, wanting a lower profile or stepping down. Um, but the, the original founder of Solidified, who, who has also been on your podcast, he, he still works with us uh, as an advisor now. And we, we maintain his original vision and his original idea in, in both brands. Uh, which now work as one company. So Solidified looks as it did before on the Ethereum ecosystem. There, the process is very stable in the sense that, you know, Ethereum has been around for a long time and we've, we've improved the process over time, but, um, uh, but it's not as experimental as some of these things we get at Oak Security. We try to do it Oak Security, follow the same model, and we do that for, for all the, the workflows. But, but obviously, the type of things we have to look at and the, the way we audit certain new things that no one has ever audited before, there's not, not much of an existing knowledge base of what the common vulnerabilities are. Uh, we, we have to be slightly more agile and, and adaptive. Got it. Got it. No, that's really cool that you guys are working together. He's a very smart guy. Um, we had a really good episode talking about very similar stuff. Um, 
where can people go if they want to get in contact with you? They want to work with Oak Security. Um, maybe they need some audits. Maybe they need some solutions built out. Um, where, where should they go? Where do you want to direct people? Yeah, I mean, we, um, we, we've got our website, oaksecurity.io. Uh, there, there's a, a contact form and the, all the social links. We can also be reached on Twitter at uh, Security Oak, um, one word. Um, uh, yeah, they, these are the best, the two, two, two options really, or, or you know, directly contact mm -hmm. us at info at uh, oaksecurity.io. And what about yourself? What if someone wants to connect with you, maybe have a conversation, maybe collaborate? Uh, do you have like a LinkedIn or a Twitter? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter as uh, buyer underscore ST, uh, my, my surname underscore ST. Um, I'm not the most active Twitter user, but I read my messages. And I'm also at ST Bayer uh, on Telegram. Um, you know, we, we are not too keen on 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 Telegram because there are a lot of uh, impersonations going on on Telegram. Mm -hmm. but, but we've noticed that in the crypto space, it's the preferred way of people contacting us. Got it, guys. Uh, go contact Stefan if you want to check him out and you want to talk with him and have a chat. Uh, make sure to check out Oak Security and everything they're doing. If you need some of their services and you need to, um, you need that kind of help in the space. You want to work in security. You want to get some security. Uh, audits done, you want to build out solutions, whatever it may be, uh, check out Oak Security. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and the video down below if you haven't already. Um, dude, really appreciate you coming on. It's been a great episode. Learned a lot, very insightful, um, you know, talk on you know, security, I think a bit more broadly and on third gen blockchains and some of the work you guys do. Um, it's going to be very important, I think, going forward, given the chaos in the in the blockchain world. So Thank you for the time. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. Talk soon. Likewise.